0: To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Spoken Edition of Wired. The 20-Year Journey of the Meg, the movie The Internet Wouldn't Let Die, by Brian Raftery. The shark wasn't working. It was the mid-2000s and Jan de Bont, director of such big-screen velocities as Speed and Twister, was showing off a small sculpture of Carcharodon Megalodon, the ancient shark that was to be the star of his next film, Meg. Based on Steve Alton's 1997 book about a deep-sea diver who encounters a prehistoric underwater beast, Meg had been the subject of a million-dollar movie rights deal before the book was even published. In the nearly ten years that followed, the film adaptation had worked its way through two studios and several screenplays, "'including one written by Alton himself. "'Now with Dubont in charge, "'there was hope that Meg would finally be brought to life. "'The director had even commissioned a maquette "'of the movie's massive creature, "'described in Alton's book as a 70-foot, 70000 pounds prehistoric cousin of the great white shark. "'When the director showed the mock-up to Alton, however, "'the author didn't see the same massive beast "'he'd described in his book.' It looked like a bonefish, says Alton now. It was horrible. Ultimately, de Bont departed the movie, leaving Meg dead in the water once again, the latest setback in what had become an almost comically overcomplicated development process. When the newly retitled The Meg opens in theaters Friday, it marks the end of a two-decade journey, one that saw numerous dead ends. Yet, throughout it all, Alton never gave up on Meg, The Internet simply wouldn't let him. To its fans, the appeal of Meg, says Nick Nunziata, comes down to a two-word concept, Jurassic Shark. In the late 90s, Nunziata founded Chud, Cinematic Happenings Under Development, one of several movie-obsessive websites launched in the pre-Twitter, pre-Facebook era. Back then, outlets like Ain't It Cool News, Dark Horizons and Corona-coming attractions eagerly reported the latest scuttlebutt on long-rumored films like James Cameron's Spider-Man, and most notably, that infamously anticipated 1999 Star Wars prequel, The Balance of the Force. At least, that's what we thought it was called at the time. And many of these sites' message boards were filled with speculation and sometimes indignation about what movies were coming next— the films that most often lit up webgoers' imaginations at that time were, not surprisingly, based on franchise, comic books, and TV shows. But amid all of the late 90s chatter about a possible new Lord of the Rings or Blade Runner 2, there was always a smaller but sustained frenzy over Meg. In 1996, Hollywood Pictures, a division of Disney, had optioned the rights to Alton's book, which opens in the Cretaceous period, with the titular beast taking down a T-Rex, and then cuts to the present day, when humans find the Megalodon lurking in a massive undersea trench. It's easy to guess what movie Disney had in mind when they bought Meg, because it was a giant fish a lot of people compared it to Jaws, says Nunziata, who read Meg shortly after its 1997 release. But Jaws is this primordial character-driven thing That's much larger than the sum of its parts. Meg was an easy, pretentious, free idea. You could enjoy it on a surface level, as long as you were able to embrace your inner childhood. According to Alton, however, the early attempts at a Meg movie veered far away from his original novel. They went through some subpar screenplays, says the 58-year-old author. I had virtually no input. One particularly out-there script equipped the creature with wings— Eventually, the movie stalled, in part because Disney couldn't make the movie fast enough to beat out 1999's Deep Blue Sea. The rights reverted later back to Alton, who in 2002 launched an online petition asking fans to express their interest in getting Meg made. That was the only option I had, says Alton. I mean, there was no interest from Hollywood. I needed to really get the project out there again. The petition earned more than 65,000 signatures, an impressive enough figure given that the campaign was mostly promoted through Alton's site. The author had spent several years building up his online fan base, even including his email address in his books. "The Megheads are very loyal," he says. "I keep them apprised of everything. I answer every email. I make them characters in my books. They are involved as much as any fan base is ever involved." In one email newsletter, Alton thanked his followers for their support. When the Meg movie eventually hits its big screens, he wrote, I want you to watch the previews, thinking, Hey, I get Steve's email every month. I helped him spread the word about his book. Heck, I helped get this movie made. Guess what? You absolutely did. That was the fall of 2004, eight years after Alton sold the film rights. By then, he'd written his own screenplay for Meg, he also teamed with Nunziata, whose film geekery bona fides allowed him to bring the movie to Guillermo del Toro, the director of Kronos and Hellboy, and eventual Oscar winner for The Shape of Water. The filmmaker got the attention of New Line Cinema, which hired de Bont to direct the movie. But while Alton was happy with de Bont, the development process itself was choppy. According to a 2008 Los Angeles Times account, New Line executives became nervous about the film's budget, trying to get the price down to $100 million. And Alton's screenplay was jettisoned in favor of a new script, which the author didn't like. It was like Moby Dick with a shark, he says. In some ways, the timing for a Meg movie simply wasn't right. Post-9-11 audiences did not want to see fun, disaster-type stories that didn't have a somber tone, Nunziata says... It took a while for people to be able to leave their cynicism at the door and embrace a really pulpy monster movie. There were also studio politics to deal with, as the movie accumulated multiple producers. While several movie news sites excitedly reported that Meg was back again, New Line never went ahead with the film. Del Toro departed the project, as did Nunziata. We were as close to a green light as you could possibly get, says Nunziata, who remains friendly with Alton. We saw Hollywood at its most cartoonish, except our futures were hinged on that stupidity. Even though it had been a long time since the publication of Meg in 1997, fans still clamored for a film version, as one ain't-it-cool commentator asked in 2008, where is the Meg movie? But after the New Line project dissolved, Alton's best answer was a succinct promise he posted to Meg heads on his website. Stay tuned, folks. Maybe it's fate, says Alton, looking back at Meg's long and torturous development. It's late July, just a few weeks before the release of the now-retitled The Meg, starring Jason Statham, Rain Wilson, and Ruby Rose, and directed by John Turtletaub, who made the two National Treasure movies and the John Travolta is telekinetic now flick phenomenon. The film's trailers play up its digital effects— which Alton notes wouldn't have been anywhere near as advanced 20 years ago. Plus, he points out, The Meg has the advantage of coming out in the social media era. It's much easier to get the word out about A Giant Shark Tale than it was in the 90s. Perhaps 2018 is the year Meg was destined to arrive after all. But that didn't make the last decade or so any less trying. After the movie rights again reverted back to Alton, he put his faith in Belle Avery a producer whose work includes the 2007 Sydney Lumet drama Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. I trusted her to safeguard the project and make sure nobody does anything stupid, Alton says. In the meantime, the author continued to write books and correspond with his fans, even holding contests that allow their name and likeness to be used in his novels, while also informing them of his progress after receiving a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease in 2007. Finally, two years ago, the trades confirmed that a Meg movie was finally happening, co-financed by Chinese company Gravity Falls. It took Belle seven years and a lot of hard work, but she managed to get it done, says Alton. The arrival of the Meg marks the end of one of the longest movie waits of the web era. There are still a handful of obsessed-over films that have yet to be made, projects that have been scrutinized online for decades— ...like the long-rumored adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's legendary tale... ...At the Mountains of Madness. But so many of the films that fans clamored for in the 90s and early 2000s... ...have already been realized. The Dark Tower, John Carter, Watchmen, a second Blade Runner... ...that makes the Meg, appropriately enough... ...one of the last of its species. A movie made in no small part because of the fans wouldn't let it sink... But there's no way of knowing how two decades of online anticipation will play out at the box office. Meg always felt like an underdog, says Nunziata, and I think that's something that will help it. Its hardcore fans are powerful, and they really connected with Steve. They became a security blanket. Which is partly why, to this day, Alton is still writing back to anyone who drops him a line. My philosophy is they've taken time and expense to buy my book and read it, and deserve a personal response, says Alton, and I've stuck with that for twenty-two years. People give me a hard time and say, "Why are you still using a o l Well, because that's the email address in all of my books, and it's the only one I've ever had. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Wallet's Smart Money Podcast.